So the United States women's soccer team is advancing to the final. For those of you that did not know that, shame on you. Um, I know some of you are like, I'm not a soccer fan. Yeah, but you should be a USA fan. So anyway, uh, so that's what we'll be doing for church on Sunday. We'll just put it up here on the screen and we'll watch the match. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. We will not be worshiping soccer, although Joey will have it on the screen back there for me to watch while I'm preaching. So um, that's a joke, too. Y'all can laugh, okay? Out loud, you can laugh. You don't just have to keep it to yourself. When I make funny jokes, you can just laugh out loud, too. Um, no, 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 no. In all seriousness, they will start at like 9.30 in the morning, which, um, you know, it's about the time we'll be getting ready to start here at Simple Church, which grieves me dearly, but I, I will be okay. Um, I do want to know, I do want the women to win, obviously, um, and I will be pulling for them in my heart while I'm up here preaching. So anyway, I wanted to ask you a question, a very simple question. If you have ever been around church or you've ever heard uh, Sunday school lesson, vacation Bible school lesson, uh, you probably know the answer to this question. Who delivered the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians? Okay, you know, I'll have to shout it out at one time. Go ahead. If you think it's Moses, raise your hand. Everybody's afraid to answer. They're all te- you're all terrified of answering. This is what I'll say, so... Technically, you're kind of right, but this is what I will say in in response to that. God led the people of Israel out of Egypt, right? God's the one that delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And uh, I led you into a trick question there, Casty, so I blame myself. You you were the only one that answered out, which I was was not anticipating that. But anyway, um, Moses led them, but God is the one that delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And sometimes um, I, I think to myself, I'm like... We, we need to recognize um, exactly what's going on sometimes. So I think that sometimes we, um, we, we, look, at, we look at things and, and we don't see them for what they really are. Sometimes we, uh, we, we look at things and, and we say, you know what? I have this perception in my own mind about the way things are, and, and that's, we kind of look through that lens. Um, as we have been in this series um, called No Matter What, it's really about people giving up themselves and saying, you know, no matter what, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And, and, and just like Cassidy answering that question, you know, just, I think we should be fearless when it comes to doing what God has called us to do. Uh, even if that means, you know, sometimes, uh, we may make a mistake. We may do things wrong. Sometimes we may fall short. Sometimes that happens. But when we say no matter what, to God, we really should be saying, no matter what, to God. You see what I'm saying? It's, it, sometimes we, we put limits, we put caveats on it. We say, well, if everything lines up this way and things go just as I planned, then, then yeah, I'll do it. But when you write God a blank check, when you say, yes, no matter what, you're really telling him, no matter what. And, and I think a lot of times, from a human perspective, we kind of hold back on God. We kind of say, eh, maybe, yeah, I'll do everything except this, okay? I'll give you my own personal testimony with this. Um, When I first went into ministry, God was calling me into ministry, and I knew he was calling, and it was really weird, and and, and I went into uh, the youth service, right? I was like, okay, everybody who's in ministry, they always start in the youth service. I went in there, and I hated it. 
I really did. I hate nobody talked to me. All the kids were snobs. They were all mean. They were mean to each other. They were mean to me. I didn't want to be around them. I said, God, there's no way that I am going to do youth ministry. There's no way. I just, I, I'm laying down the law, Jesus. You know, like, that's what we can do, right? Like, we just tell Jesus, well, I'm not doing this. And sure enough, what happened? God challenged me, and ch- I stuck with it because I said, God, no matter what, I'm just going to do as you've called me to do, and I will... I will put up with this for another week. And then the next week came, and I put up with it for another week. And before long, I was talking to the kids. They were talking to me. I loved them, and it was to the point where, you know what? I, 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 was, I, was, I loved them so much that I would lay down my life for them. I mean, I was that much. I cared that much about their lives and who they were and who they were growing up to be. You know, it, God just completely wrecked me over that. When I put a limit on God, it was like God was showing me, you cannot limit me. You cannot say, I'll do everything except this, this, and this. When you write me a blank check that is truly a blank check, a lot of times I will tell you this, that when you do something and you follow God, you will run up against obstacles. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, You will certainly run up against obstacles. When God has called you to do something, it's likely going to stretch your faith and it's likely going to cause you to have a greater dependency on him because if it's something that you can do naturally apart from him, then it is not growing your faith. So it's going to have to be something that pushes you beyond what you think you're capable of doing, right? That's the way God works. And I just want you to know that today. And, and, and I was looking at this particular story uh, as we go through the No Matter What series, and I wanted to point out this one guy. His name is Moses, and he did. He led the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians. But I think we have to look at this, and we have to look, and we have to see something else too, right? And that is the fact that, that God is at work here. God is the one that's, that's doing the, the work. So... In uh, Exodus chapter 15, I'm going to read a lot tonight. And I'm reading a lot because I felt like God wanted me to read a lot. God was telling me that I want you to read a lot, and I'm going to do that. So um, if you don't like for me to read a lot, you can tune out and you can do something else. But I'm just going to be reading a lot tonight. So in Exodus chapter 15, the Israelites have just walked through on dry land... The Egyptian army, the greatest army in that particular time, was chasing after them with their fastest chariots and their strongest men, and the Israelites are running away from them because Pharaoh has gotten this idea that he doesn't want the Israelites to leave after all. He goes chasing after them. They're standing at the banks of the Red Sea, and they're going, what are we going to do now, Moses? Great. Thanks a lot for bringing us here. What are we going to do? And Moses, he goes, I got an idea, and sure enough... God parts the sea for them. They walk through on dry land. They get on the other side. The waves come crashing in. They crush the Egyptians. They drown, and they're delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. So everybody is stoked, right? Like they are pumped. Like God just parted the sea for us, you know? God just did this amazing thing, and we are so thankful uh, that, that, that we were able to just be here and witness that and be a part of this. And, and, and Moses, I, you talk about having some faith. When you stand on the banks of the Red Sea and you go, all right, let's make a path right through here, that's some big faith. When he said no matter what to God, he was really saying no matter what. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but Moses could not part that sea on his own. He could do a little dog paddling out there maybe, but he was not going to part that water so they could walk across on dry land. It takes an amazing amount of faith to stand on that bank and go, all right, God, do your thing. 
And we're going to watch and we're going to be amazed. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. The Egyptians walked across. Now, when, when the, uh, excuse me, the Israelites walked across on dry land and the Egyptians were crushed by the water. Now, I, I need you to understand that when the Israelites crossed through, this would have been thousands and thousands and thousands of people that would have went. This wasn't just like a little caravan of about 20 or 30 people and they were walking through on shallow, shallow water. This would have been tons and tons of people going through, uh, escaping the, the rule of the Egyptians. So this was a very big deal. And there was a lot of people that witnessed it. There was a lot of people that walked on dry ground to the other side. So much so that, that like chapter 15 of Exodus really... It says, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. They actually start singing. Like, they're breaking out in praise and worship because they have just walked across on dry ground. But then we get to verse 22. And it says, I don't know if you got a title in, in, in your Bible or that little section, but in my section it says, Bitter Water at Marah. Bitter Water at Marah. Now, some of you may recognize the name Marah. Uh, from the book of Ruth and Naomi who said, I want you to call me Mara now for God has dealt bitterly with me. You remember that? Mara means bitter. It says, Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Then they came to an oasis of Mara. The water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, which means bitter. So what happens is they're walking through for three days. They find this oasis, which they must have said, wow, this is from God. Wow, this is an amazing thing. God has delivered us from the Egyptians. Now he's given us water. And they get to the water, and it's bitter. So bitter that they can't drink it. So what are they going to do? Now they're like, all right, great. Finally, this is just what we needed, right? Then the people complained and turned against Moses. Who led them across on dry ground? Moses led them across, but God did it, right? So what are the, who do they turn on? They turn on Moses immediately. Moses, this is your fault. It's your fault that the water's bitter. It's your fault that we're out here. So they turn on Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw the wood into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Now... I want you to know that it was important for it to be recorded here in verse 25 that Moses cried out to the Lord for help. It wasn't Moses that came up with the idea of let's take this stick and throw it in the water and make it good to drink. Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And, and God showed him what to do. God, the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses threw it in the water and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his command, commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent to the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. So this is the message that God has sent to the Israelites. Who did he deliver that message through, you think? It's probably through Moses, right? After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. 
They camped there beside the water. I guess I want you to see the fact that over and over again, the Israelites are being delivered by God. Moses is crying out to God. It's God who's, who's the, the, whose hand is at control here. It's God who's doing the work. Whenever they run up against something, they turn on Moses. And who does Moses turn to? He turns to God for the answers. If God has called you to do something in your life, I can tell you right now, you will come up against people who will resist you and, and come up against you and they will blame you and they will look at you and say, it is your fault, it's your responsibility to fix this. You will encounter that. Moses turned to the Lord. Whenever we as people... And this is not a message about me, okay? This is not what this is about. This is a message about somebody who feels called, somebody who feels like they're doing something for the Lord. I want you to know that you will come up against obstacles and you will come up against some difficulties, heartache that you cannot imagine. And the only way that you can deal with that is to turn to the Lord. You will not always have the right answers and you will not always get the right answers. This is an example where God continues to show his faithfulness and he continues to give Moses the answers that he needs in order for them to be delivered. And he tells them, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. He's not saying listen to Moses' voice. He's saying listen to the voice of God. He says, I'll keep you, in keeping all of his decrees, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. All right, let's move on to chapter 16. A lot, a lot more reading to do because we're going to read all of chapter 16 here. Pretty much. Then the whole community of Israel set out for Elam, from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat in, around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us, uh, brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Who are they saying brought them into the wilderness? You have, Moses and Aaron. It's your fault. You did this. God may have delivered us across the, the, the Red Sea by parting it. God may have turned the, the bitter water into something to drink. But here we are, we're about to starve to death, and who do we have to point the finger at? It's you, Moses and Aaron. It's your fault. Let me ask you the question, if they were really listening to the Lord, and they were really focused on the Lord, and their prayers and their devotion was to the Lord, who would they be focused on right here? Would it be Moses and Aaron so much? Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I am going to rain down food from heaven for you. The Lord said this. Each day, the people can go out and pick as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in, in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Once again, the Lord testing them. The Lord's doing the work. On the sixth day, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening, you'll realize that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard your, compl your complaints, which are, <laughs> which are against him, not against us. What we have done that you should complain about us. 
What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. You know what he's trying to tell them? Your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Now, why is he telling them that? Because all they can fix their eyes on is Moses and Aaron. They're saying, it's your fault. You did this. It's your... He's like, your complaint is not with me, dude. I'm not the problem. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to the Lord. If you want to complain to somebody, complain to the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. So once again, they have a problem. They start complaining at Moses. They start complaining at Aaron. They start talking about them, as a matter of fact. That's what it says. And they said, look, your issue is not with us. It's with the Lord. Take your issues to the Lord. And God has heard your, your struggles. He knows what you're struggling with. He, he has heard you. And you know what? He's the one that you turn to. And what do they see? Once again, God is delivering them. God is going to bring what they need. It's almost like you go... You know what, Moses and Aaron, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we should just turn to the Lord. Maybe all you're doing is actually turning to the Lord. Maybe that's what we should do, you know? But what do they do instead? They, they turn their focus toward Moses and Aaron, even though God continues to deliver them, continues to bring what they need over and over and over again. It's obviously the Lord at work. And, and the Lord even says that he's going to test them in, their, uh, in following his, his instructions. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Uh, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So he is saying, look, once again, I'm going to deliver these people. They're going to know that I am the Lord. I am really answering them. I am really the one that's at work here. I'm the one doing this. He says, they're, they're going to know. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning in the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as a frost blanket, uh, as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They have no idea what it was. And Moses had to tell them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as, as needed. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. He's saying there's specific instructions. Do as the Lord has said. He said, the Lord has brought this. The Lord has given instructions. Let's do as the Lord has said. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Israelites are going to do as the Lord has said? No, of course not. Right? God has delivered them over and over and over again. They complained at Moses. Moses continues to bring the message to them. And what do they do? He says, look, God has given specific instructions. This is what you need to do. Do you think they're going to follow those instructions? We all know, right? Like, I don't even have to read the next verses. We all know what's about to happen. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured out, everyone had just enough. 
Those who had gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who had gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. All right, I'm not there yet. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning, for some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. Some of them didn't listen. Shocker, right? Can you even believe? God has given us instructions. This has come from God. God has delivered us. God, God, God. The Lord has done this. The Lord has said this. He's obviously using me as a mouthpiece. Don't you see? Don't you see? What do they do? Some, they kept some of it until morning, but, but by then it was full of maggots and it had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. No joke. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to his need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes uh, they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders came, uh, of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. This is what the Lord said. Tomorrow will, will be a day for, of complete rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake and boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. This is what the Lord said. Gather all you can today. You get twice as much today because on the next day you're going to rest. On the Sabbath you're going to rest. It's okay, boil it and get it ready to keep for tomorrow. But it's a day of rest. We don't want you going out and gathering any. Who here thinks the Israelites are going to go out and gather some more on the Sabbath? Everybody, right? Duh. Yeah, it's going to happen. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food uh, today for the... Today is the Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord, and there will be no food on the ground today. For you may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some people, <laughs> some of the people, went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. Guys, are you going to get it? Are you going to get it? Are you going to get it? Are you gonna... Obviously, the Lord is telling you something. Maybe we should listen to the Lord and his commands and his decrees. Maybe, just maybe, his way is better than our way. They went out there. Can you imagine? I mean, what was the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, right? That's what they're doing, right? They're going against the Lord's command over and over and over again. God's delivering them time and time and time again. God's answered their prayers. He's, he's done everything he said he was going to do. And yet they're still wandering around out there on the Sabbath going, where's all the food at? You just want to slap them. You know what I mean? You're like, come on. I mean, like, don't you get it? <laughs> Moses, he got angry with him. He's like, I, he, he, I think he just went, <laughs> you know. It's like, when are you guys going to learn? You get mad at me, it ain't me. It's, it's the Lord. You need to take it up with him. I give you what the Lord says, you don't listen to it. Then you wonder what's happened. You get all confused. I think Moses went, okay. The Israelites called the food manna. It was like uh, coriander seed, and it tastes like honey wafers. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a, a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your, your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness 
when I set you free from Egypt. Who set them free? The Lord has set them free. Moses said to Aaron, get a jar and fill it with two quarts of manna. Put it in the sacred place before the Lord and preserve, to preserve it for all future generations. Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would sell. For 40 years God kept them alive with manna. For 40 years he kept answering. He kept answering. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. The container used to measure the manna was an omer, which is one-tenth of an ephah. It held about two quarts. So what is the message here? When you say no matter what to God, and maybe the obstacle looks insurmountable, like let's put up that picture, no matter what. You look, man, golly, really? God, that looks like a huge mountain. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. And maybe along the way up that mountain you run into some obstacles. Maybe you run into some people who say you're not going to be able to make it. You're going to die on your way up. Nehemiah ran into that. He ran into a lot of people. He says, you know what? You're building a wall. It's dumb, man. A fox is going to run across that and it's going to tear it all down. That's how weak and feeble it is. As you pursue a calling of the Lord, you are going to run into a lot of obstacles. But you have to understand something that's really key, and this is the, the part of the message that I want you to get. It is the Lord. It is His plan, His purpose, His way. It is, it is exactly what He has in store. And yes, you are not going to believe what God is going to do, and it is going to blow your mind. But that's just Him strengthening your faith. That's Him testing you and getting you to stand and say, you know what? God has put the mountain in front of me, and he told me to get to the top, so that's where I'm going no matter what. No matter what you say, no matter what obstacles I face, I'm going there no matter what. Because he's the one at work in the background. He's the one doing the work. He's the one doing the delivering. He's the one making the path, opening the doors. He's the one making it happen no matter what. It wasn't Moses and Aaron's doing, no matter how many times the Israelites wanted to say it was their fault, it was their thing, it was they did this, they did that. It wasn't them, it's the Lord. And he even looked at him and said, you know what, take your issues to the Lord. It's not us, your complaint is not against us. It's with the Lord. When you pursue God's calling in your life, and I know that this is for somebody in here today, I know that somebody in here is probably like, I know God's calling me to do this, and I know, I know that God is, is trying to show me something through this message. I absolutely know that there's somebody in this room, and I know that there are probably multiple people in this room that fall into this category. You will face tremendous difficulties and tremendous obstacles. Some of those will be people. Some of those will be things that seem like they're insurmountable, like starvation and, and hunger. That could even be to that extreme. There are some missionaries, and they go out on, on mission and they're in places where they don't have any food. They don't have any water. They have nothing. But they do it anyway because they know the hand of God is behind it. They know that God is at work behind it. We have to trust that. We can't trust ourselves. We have to trust God. No matter what. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for the fact that we can always trust you. 
God, that even if we die in the midst of trying to accomplish the goal that you set before us, God, we have to trust that. God, we have to trust and know that, that your hand is at work, that every single thing that happens on this earth, God, is, is within your control, that you're in total control and nothing happens by accident. God, I thank you for that promise. I thank you for the fact that you are all-loving and all-knowing. God, and I thank you for the fact that you know so much more than I could ever, ever begin to know. So, Lord, I pray that we trust you more. God, for the people in here that they're pursuing the calling on their life, God, I pray that you would just open their eyes and open their hearts. And, God, maybe some of them are facing obstacles right now. Lord, I pray that they would see your glory and they would see your hand at work. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for encouraging us and showing us that no matter what, God, it's you that's doing the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?